0: This is the final part of the pro-reproductive rights 20% that I am uh, part two. So we left off with women's rights. United Nations Population Fund and the World Health Organization, WHO, advocate for reproductive rights with a primary emphasis on women's rights. In this respect, the UN and WHO focus on a range of issues from access to family planning services, sex education, menopause, and the reduction of obstetric fistula to the relationship between reproductive health and economic status. The reproductive rights of women are advanced in the context of the right to freedom from discrimination and the social and economic status of women. The Group Development Alternatives with Women for a New Era, Dawn, explained the link in the following statement. Control over reproduction is a basic need and a basic right for all women. Linked as it is to women's health and social status, as well as the powerful social structures of religion, state control, and administrative inertia, and private profit, it is from the perspective of poor women that this right can best be understood and affirmed. Women know that childbearing is a social, not a purely personal phenomenon, nor do we deny that world population trends are likely to exert considerable pressure on resources and institutions by the end of the century. But our bodies have become a pawn in the struggles among states, religions, male heads of households, and private corporations programs that do not take the interests of women into account are unlikely to succeed. Women's reproductive rights have long retained key issue status in the debate on overpopulation. The only ray of hope I can see, and it's not much, is that wherever women are put in control of their lives, both politically and socially, where medical facilities allow them to deal with birth control and where their husbands allow them to make those decisions, birth rate fails women don't want to have 12 kids of whom nine will die according to OHCHR women's sexual reproductive health is related to multiple human rights including the right to life the right to be free from torture the right to health the right to privacy the right to education and the prohibition of discrimination attempts have been made to analyze the socioeconomic conditions that affect the realization of a woman's reproductive rights. The term reproductive justice has been used to describe these broader social and economic issues. Proponents of reproductive justice argue that while the right to legalize abortion and contraception applies to everyone, these choices are only meaningful to those with resources and that there's a growing gap between access and affordability and citation needed. I am for legalized abortion, I am for reproductive justice, I am for the, you know, I, I'm supportive of the right to health, the right to privacy, the right to education, prohibition of discrimination. I deeply honor the right to life, the right to be free from torture. Um. You know overpopulation is a is something that we should be um concerned about um, and I am for women having control of their own reproduction. Okay, so now we're talking about men's rights men's reproductive rights have been claimed by various organizations both for issues of reproductive health and other rights related to sexual reproduction three international issues in men's reproductive health are sexually transmitted diseases cancer and exposure to toxins Recently, men's reproductive rights with regards to paternity have become subject of debate in the u.s the term male abortion was coined by melanie mcculley a south carolina attorney in the 1998 article The theory begins with the premise that when a woman becomes pregnant, she has the option of abortion, adoption, or parenthood. A man, however, has none of those options, but will still be affected by the woman's decision. It argues in the context of legally recognized uh, gender equality that in the early stages of pregnancy, the punitive alleged father should have the right to relinquish all future Uh, parental rights and financial responsibility, leaving the informed mother with the same three options. The concept has been supported by a former president of the Feminist Organization, National Organization for Women Attorney Karen DeCrow. The feminist argument for male reproductive choice contends that the uneven ability to choose experienced by men and women regards to parenthood is evidence of a state-enforced coercion favoring uh, traditional sex roles. In 2006, the National Center for Men brought a case in the U.S. Du Bay versus Wells, dubbed by some Roe versus Wade for Men, that argued that in the event of an unplanned pregnancy when an unmarried woman informs a man that she is pregnant by him, he should have an opportunity to give up all, per, all paternity rights and responsibilities. Supporters argue that this would allow the woman time to make an informed decision and give men the same reproductive rights as women. In its dismissal of the case, the U.S. Court of Appeals Sixth Circuit stated that the Fourth Amendment does not deny to the state the power to treat different classes of persons in different ways. The opportunity to give men the right for a paper abortion is heavily discussed. Sperm theft is another related issue. I have a tough time with the Dubé versus Wells thing because I do not want to encourage deadbeat parenting. I do not want to encourage sexual responsibility. I do not want to encourage get your rocks off and go even if a baby is on the way. I don't want to encourage that. I don't want to encourage absent parenting i don't want to encourage absent parents and i don't want to encourage kids growing up without their parents um the exceptions i'll make for this is if the dad is a shitshow himself or is a rapist or if it's incest or if a result of any other sex crime or if the dad is a violent offender those are the exceptions that i will give if the dad is just a pile of shit then I can see, you know, giving up all fraternity rights responsibilities a good thing. In that situation, all the other situations I just named. But I think that if you impregnate someone and both of y'all are decent people, whether it's planned or unplanned, Either way, be a positive, regular force in the life of a child, right? Um, I think those, these ways too. Because you have some guys who will impregnate a woman by leading her on and she thought it was committed he had a casual sex mind so I also think about how some guys reject condom usage which is a fucking disgrace to me which is a fucking tragedy to me. Uh, you You got babies born in fucked up circumstances. I had to pause for a minute because I was a baby born in fucked up circumstances myself. I was born into shit. Those are the type of motherfuckers that were in my life as an infant. And then got this paper abortion thing like opting out of any rights, privileges responsibilities toward the child including financial support before the birth of the child to do that again if you are a committer of sex crimes violent crimes and you're or just ancestral then I support paper abortion for those kinds of the kind of shit back but if y'all are decent people planned or unplanned take a stand for the well-being of the child and be a positive regular force in that kid's life sperm theft also known as unauthorized use of sperm, sperm jacking or sperm because a man seems is used against his will I don't think that's very common, but I won't deny that it happens. I think sperm theft is jackassness to a high degree. Yeah, it's a heavy concept. For me, and I think that their argument over who has more reproductive leeway—women or men—instead of applying the elementary school mentality towards complex issues, let's apply gray area embracing thinking towards complex issues, shall we? Intersex and reproductive rights. Intersex in humans and other animals is a variation in sex characteristics, including chromosomes, genads, or genitals that do not allow individual to be distinctly identified as male or female. Such variation may involve gen- genital ambiguity in combinations of chromosomal or genotype and sexual phenotype, other than XY male, XX female. Intersex persons are often subjected to involuntary quote-unquote sex normalizing, surgical and hormonal treatments in infancy and childhood, often also including sterilization. UN agencies said we're gonna take note. On February 1st, 2013, Juan E. Mendez, the UN Special Rapporteur, Rapporteur, on torture and other cruel, inhuman, or degrading treatment or punishment, issued a statement condemning non-consensual surgical intervention on intersex people. Awesome. His report said children who are born with atypical sex characteristics, children who are born with atypical sex characteristics, are often subject to irreversible sex assignment, involuntary sterilization, involuntary genital normalizing surgery. Perform without their informed consent or that of their parents in an attempt to fix their sex, leaving them with permanent irreversible infertility and causing severe mental suffering. In May 2014, the World Health Organization issued a joint statement on eliminating forced, coercive, and otherwise involuntary sterilization, an interagency statement with the OC, I'm sorry, with the OHCHR, UN Women. UNAIDS, UNDP, UNFPA, and UNICEF. The report references the involuntary surgical sex normalizing other procedures on intersex persons. It questions the medical necessity of such treatments, patients' ability to consent, and a weak evidence base. The report recommends a range of guiding principles to prevent compulsory sterilization and medical treatment, including ensuring patient autonomy and decision making. Ensuring non-discrimination, accountability, and access to remedies. So you have youth rights and access, and, you know, sex education. Of course, uh, they didn't provide a, any paragraphs for that. Some we'll go to minors, parental consent. we have you for the information on both. In many jurisdictions, minors require parental consent or parental notification in order to access various. Reproductive services such as contraception, abortion, gynecological consultations, testing for STDs, et cetera. The requirement that minors have parental consent slash notification for testing for HIV slash AIDS is especially controversial, particularly in areas where the disease is endemic and it is a sensitive subject. Balancing minors' rights versus parental rights is considered an ethical problem in medicine and law, and there have been many court cases on this issue in the US. An important concept recognized since 1989 by the Convention on the Rights of the Child is that of the evolving capacities of a minor, namely that minors should, in accordance with their maturity level of understanding, be involved in decisions that affect them. Youth are often denied equal access to reproductive health services because health workers view adolescent sexual activity as unacceptable or see sex education as the responsibility of parents. Providers of reproductive health have little accountability to youth clients, a primary factor denying youth access to reproductive health care. In many countries, regardless of legislation, minors are denied even the most basic reproductive care if they are not accompanied by parents, in India for instance. In 2017, a 17-year-old girl who was rejected by her family due to her pregnancy was also rejected by hospitals and gave birth in the street. In recent years, the lack of reproductive rights for adolescents has been a concern for international organizations such as UNFPA. Mandatory involvement of parents in cases where the minor has sufficient maturity to understand the situation is considered by health organizations as a violation of minors' rights and detrimental to their health. The World Health Organization has criticized parental consent slash notification laws. Discrimination in healthcare settings takes many forms and is often manifested when an individual or group is denied access to healthcare services that are otherwise available to others. It can also occur through denial of services that are only needed by certain groups, such as women. Examples include specific individuals or groups being subjected to physical and verbal abuse or violence, involuntary treatment, breaches of confidentiality and or denial of autonomous decision-making, such as the requirement of consent, the treatment by parents, spouses, or guardians in lack of free and informed consent. Laws and policies must respect the principles of autonomy and healthcare decision-making, guarantee free and informed consent, privacy and confidentiality, prohibit mandatory HIV testing, prohibit screening procedures that are not of benefit to the individual or the public, and ban voluntary treatment and mandatory third-party authorization notification requirements. According to UNICEF, when dealing with sexual reproductive health, the obligation to inform parents and obtain their consent becomes a significant barrier with consequences for adolescents' lives and for public health in general. One specific issue which is seen as a form of hypocrisy legislators is that of having a higher age of medical consent for the purpose of reproductive and sexual health in the age of sexual consent. In such cases that, in such, case, in such cases, the law allows you to engage in sexual activity, but it does not allow them to consent to medical procedures that may arise from being sexually active. U N I C E F states that on sexual reproductive health matters, the minimum age of medical consent should never be higher than, than the age of sexual consent. Yeah. Wow. Wow, I just learned a lot. And I'll and I'll say is this. I think that when we remove the hypocrisy and understand that not everybody has parents that they can talk to about uh, sex and sexuality, right? Or just anything very important in general. And parental consent slash education laws, in my view, don't do a good job of Creating uh, safety where people can experience comp- healthy, comprehensive sex education. Because giving birth in the street, directed by hospitals, that's some heartless shit. That's what I call assholism. Or as I like to say, fucked up ass motherfuckers. That's what the hell I say. I'm for the reproductive rights of minors. I'm for youth rights and access. I am for intersex rights. I am for intersex reproductive rights. I don't mind men's rights, as long as it's not misogynistic, you know. Uh, Africa. Further information, HIV AIDS in Africa, even though HIV and AIDS can't be anywhere. I just want to say that. Many unintended pregnancies stem from traditional contraceptive methods or no contraceptive measures. Youth sexual education in Uganda is relatively low. Comprehensive sex education is not generally taught in schools. Even if it was a majority of young people do not stay in school after the age of 15, so information would be limited regardless. Um, yeah, Africa experiences high rates of unintended pregnancy along with high rates of HIV/AIDS. Young women age 15 to 24 are eight times more likely to have HIV/AIDS than young men. Sub- Sub-Saharan Africa is is the world region most affected by HIV/AIDS? With approximately 25 million people living with HIV in 2015, Sub-Saharan Africa accounts for two-thirds of the global total of new HIV infections. Attempted abortions and unsafe abortions are a risk for youth in Africa. On average, there are 2.4 million unsafe abortions in East Africa, 8.1.8 million in Western Africa over 900,000 in middle Africa, and over 100,000 in southern Africa each year. In Uganda, abortion is illegal except to save the mother's life. However, 78% of teenagers report knowing someone who has had an abortion. The police do not always prosecute everyone who's had an abortion. An estimated 22% of all maternal deaths in the area stem from illegal, unsafe abortions. Um, Add promoting abstinence in, in Ghana no sex ed, anti-HIV slash AIDS signage. Absence-only sex education is a form of sex education that teaches not having sex outside of marriage, most often excluding other types of sexual reproductive health education, such as birth control and safe sex conferences. Sex education, by contrast, covers the use of birth control and sexual abstinence. First of all, I think absence only sex education is complete bullshit. I think... The whole don't have sex outside of marriage. I strongly disagree with that. Um, I, I, I am for birth control. I use condoms. I, uh, and that means that I'm for safe sex. I have it, so why not support what I do, right? And comprehensive sex education? Hell yes, damn it. That's what I say. Um, I support, uh, people's right to abstinence, but that's not my thing, never happened, it will be, say no to sex, virgin power, virgin pride, boy, HIV, AIDS, uh, again, women and girls are reduced to virgins and whores, the... It's just very repugnant to me. I hate the Madonna whore complex. Okay, so I'm going to keep on going. European Union, over 85% of European women all ages have used some form of birth control in their lives. Europeans, as an aggregate report, using the pill and condoms as the most commonly used contraceptives. Sweden has the highest percentage of lifetime contraceptive use, with 96% of its inhabitants claim to have used birth control at some point in their lives. Sweden also has a high self-reported rate of postcoital pill use. A 2007 anonymous survey of Swedish 18 year olds showed that three out of four youth were sexually active with 5% reporting having had an abortion and 4% reporting the contraction of an STI. In the European Union, reproductive rights are protected through the European Convention on Human Rights and its Jurisprudence, as well as the Convention on Preventing and Combating Violence Against Women and Domestic Violence in Istanbul Convention. However, these rights are denied or restricted by the laws, policies and practices of member states. In fact, some countries' criminalize medical staff have stricter regulations than the international norm or exclude legal abortion and contraception from public health insurance. A study conducted by policy departments at the request of the European Parliament Committee on Women's Rights and Gender Equality recommends the EU to strengthen the legal framework on equal access to sexual and reproductive health goods and services. Wow. Um, So, I hate unintended pregnancies. Um, Unsafe abortions grief my heart. The maternal deaths from illegal and safe abortions grieves my heart the police in Uganda are hypocrites see this is why comprehensive sex education is so important it will solve a lot of Africa's reproductive struggles including the European Union too Um, Latin America Latin America has come to international attention due to its harsh anti-abortion laws their anti-abortion laws that are harsh piss me off Latin America is home to some of the few countries of the world with a complete ban on abortion without an exception for saving maternal life some of these countries particularly Particularly in Central America, the enforcement of such laws is very aggressive. El Salvador and Nicaragua have drawn international attention for strong enforcement of their complete bans on abortion. In 2017, Chile uh, relaxed its total ban, allowing abortion to be performed when the woman's life is in danger, when a fetus is unviable, or in cases of rape. In Ecuador, education and class play a large role in the definition of which young women become pregnant, which do not. of young women who are illiterate get pregnant compared to 11% of girls with secondary education. The same is true for poor individuals. 28% become impregnated, while only 11% of young women in wealthier households do. Furthermore, access to reproductive rights, including contraceptives, are limited due to age and the perception of female morality. Healthcare providers often discuss contraception, theoretically, not as a device to be used on a regular basis. Decisions concerning sexual activity often involve secrecy and taboos, as well as a lack of access to accurate information. Even more telling, young women have much easier access to maternal health care than they do to contraceptive health, which, which helps explain high pregnancy rates in the, nation, in the region. Rates of adolescent pregnancy in Latin America number over a million each year. This is why I'm saying that absence only sex education never works, never has, never will. United States, oh man, we're, us, when it comes to sex education and our sex restrictions and our reproductive restrictions, abortion restrictions, United States, we, are fucked up beyond measure. We have our own shittiness to ourselves. Among sexually experienced teenagers, 78% of teenage females and 85% of teenage males use contraception the first time they had sex. 86% 93% of these same females and males respectively report using contraception the last time they had sex. Male condom is the most commonly used method during first sex, although 54% of young women in the United States rely upon the pill. Young people in the U.S. are no more sexually active than individuals in other developed countries, but they're significantly less knowledgeable about contraception and safe sex practices. As of 2006, only 20 states required sex education in schools. Of those, only 10 required information about contraception. On the whole, less than 10% of American students receive sex education that includes topical coverage of abortion, homosexuality, relationships, pregnancy, and STI prevention. Athens' only education was used throughout much of the United States in the 1990s and early 2000s. Based upon the moral principle that sex outside of marriage is unacceptable, there were programs often misled students about their rights to have sex, the consequences and prevention of pregnancy and STIs. Abortion in the United States is legal since the United States Supreme Court decision, Roe v. Wade, which decriminalized abortion nationwide in 1973 and established a minimum period during which abortion is legal with more or fewer restrictions throughout the pregnancy. The basic framework modified in Planned Parenthood versus Casey 1992 remains nominally in place, although the effective availability of abortions varies significantly from state to state, as as many counties have no abortion providers. Planned Parenthood versus Casey held that a law cannot place legal restrictions upon an undue, you know, Planned Parenthood versus Casey held that a law cannot place legal restrictions imposing an undue burden for the purpose of or effect of placing a substantial obstacle in the path of a woman seeking abortion of a non viable fetus. Abortion is a controversial political issue, and regular attempts to restrict it occur in most states. One such case, originating in Texas, led to the Supreme Court case of Whole Women's Health versus. Hellerstedt, 2016, where several Texas restrictions were struck down. Since these times, reproductive rights restrictions that contradict Roe sweat have been made in the U.S. An example of these restrictions is the new bill in Texas, and the Senate Bill 8. The ban, this ban restricts patients from getting an abortion if a heartbeat is hurt, which is typically six weeks after the patient's last period. They so have, oh wow, I'm definitely making part three. So, um, that's all good. Make a part three of that. I don't need to rush anything. I got plenty of time, you know. plenty of time. Um, uh, what I'm gonna do is definitely, um, gonna finish the rest of my abortion episodes tomorrow for sure i got plenty of time and go for it i just gotta do it when i have all the time i'll be i'll be finishing the rest tomorrow y'all And by the way, I hate Senate billing.